Hello folks, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is The Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. The first is Church Partnership Evangelism, where I've been the executive director for over 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more about it, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. The other ministry is the ministry of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, where I'm the Bible teacher. And this is the word we feed on. Now let's continue from our last broadcast considering Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. There Matthew attributes the infant Jesus' flight into Egypt to hide from the murderous King Herod as a fulfillment of a prophecy made by Hosea in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, where Hosea records God saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Hosea wrote of the nation of Israel at that time, but Matthew sees its fulfillment in the Christ child. In Hosea's day, Israel was suffering judgment because of their spiritual adultery, and Hosea pronounces throughout his prophecies that judgment, but in Hosea 11 verse 1, he takes a turn, and God's statements take a turn. There's an offering of love and mercy that is announced in the midst of the judgments. And so Jesus comes to enter into our judgment for sin, but he is God's turn. God has provided through him a way for us to come to him and receive the outpouring of his love and his mercy. King Herod is slaying their own infants and their children and trying to destroy all their political leaders and the Messiah who comes to save them is actually driven out by this wicked king into Egypt in exile and he's with them in the midst of these judgments and these judgments are impacting him. When Jesus came, he did not remove himself from the Caesar of sin that goes around us in our lives, from the apoplexy and the complexions and the horror of sin, he came in the midst of it. He arrived as this beautiful baby that's announced and the shepherds came and looked and witnessed and worshipped and the angels sang and the wise men came and bowed before and worshipped and the star guided them to that place and we see all these beautiful truths of that holy child and that holy thing. We see Simeon taking the baby up in his arms and we only can consider the wonder and awe as Mary looks over this child and it's all beautiful and yet the other part of the story is all these things are swirling around and God sends his son in the midst of it all to represent Israel in all these things and all this sin. It's the same way in which Christ comes to us now and lives with us now. Here's another thing you need to see from Hosea's message, though. At the end of chapter 10, at the beginning of chapter 11, there's a turn that takes place. Hosea is going to continue to go on and talk about judgment. God is still going to be speaking through Hosea to say that there's judgment coming, but in the statements of judgment from chapters 4 through chapters 10, there's There's no modification. There's no remitting in it. It's just judgment upon judgment upon judgment upon judgment. But now when you come to chapter 11, there are these expressions of judgment, but after each expression of judgment, there's a sigh in the heart of God. There's an expression in the heart of God that he's got something else planned that he wants to do for the people. There's a turn, a hard turn towards love and mercy. At the very beginning of the chapter, God remembers his love for the people of Israel and all he's done for them. 
Judgment is still being pronounced, but there is sorrow and reluctance in God's words and there are expressions of God's love. And so you'll see if you read through those four chapters, God rehearses his past love for Israel. God rehearses his present love for Israel. God rehearses his future love for Israel. You can find all this in these last four chapters. And with each declaration of judgment that comes in these last chapters, the change that takes place is that immediately following them is this message of God's intent to redeem and reconcile the people to himself. So in chapter 11, we see God's heartache and we see God necessarily moving through injustice upon the people. But you see also and we recognize that God is planning something else and longing for something else. We recognize the justice of God here and the necessary judgment of God upon sin, but we see here that it's not mechanical. This is not merely the logical action of the laws of God breaking out upon those who break His moral law. God is grieved. God is sorrowing. His own heart is broken. God is yearning. He's acting in a sense against the impulse of His own love. Judgment has to happen, but there's also in Him a commitment to save them. In a sense, God is doing what He must, but not doing what He wants. Not ultimately doing what He's going to do. So He says in Hosea chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, after pronouncing judgment on the people again, Ephraim is a word used for the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admon? How can I treat you like Zebuan? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning wrath or anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man and the Holy One in your midst. I will not come in wrath. God is just. His judgments must take place. And as it comes from God's own hand, God's own heart is not entirely in it. He still sets himself to love and to restore. This again is God's disposition towards us. This is how Jesus entered into the world. He entered the world dark and embroiled in sin and in the midst of his judgment. And he came to Israel in the midst of their judgments. And it was what they deserved it is what they brought upon themselves because they broke his laws. And yet in it, there is all of the tenderness of a little child. All of the tenderness that a little child evokes from us of love and care. And oddly enough, God not only sees it in his son, but he sees it in Israel. And he wants to hold them again like the baby they had been. And he longs to bring them his love and his restoration. And folks, this is God's disposition towards you and your sin. He knows what he made you to be. He knows how he crafted you. He knows all of your potential. He knows the tender moment of his creating and he longs to bring you into the fullness and the purity of all that you were designed to be. Here's the third thing to notice here. It's at this point in chapter 11 where Hosea turns to the message of redemption and reconciliation that Matthew introduces the Lord Jesus. 
It's at this moment, at this key moment, this key point in the turning of this great book on God's agony for sin and the judgment that comes upon it and yet God's renewal to love that the infant Savior, Jesus Christ, is being expressed. I would just say that the Lord Jesus is found at the turn of love and mercy, to love and mercy. He comes at God's turn to love and mercy. Christ has come and is with Israel and with us. He will be identified with Israel and with us in all our sins. He'll take upon himself those sins. He'll be with us in our moments of exile, in our moments of bondage, just like he is with the nation of Israel in this moment as he himself is pressed into Egypt by a murderous king. He'll be with us as he's with them also in their deliverance from slavery. He'll be with us and for us when he goes to the altar of the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. There all of sin's judgment and the judgment of the sin of the nation of Israel as well will come upon him and all the judgment for all of your sins will come upon him. And he'll represent you. You need to understand something. No one has more fully and completely represented your sin and your depravity and your brokenness than Jesus Christ. He's absorbed it all. He's searched out the full measure of wrath and judgment that your sin deserves. He represents that. He represents you in that before God. He also represents Israel as God wanted it to be and as God would make it a glorious people, love, uniquely loved by Him. And He represents you as God would make you in holy perfection. The Lord Jesus represents you in your sin more fully than you can represent yourself. And the Lord Jesus represents you in your highest potential of righteousness more fully than you could represent yourself. That He might accomplish all of God's righteousness in Himself for your sake. He'll be the judge, and he'll be the judged on your behalf. He will be the grieving husband who buys back the adulterous wife, and he will be the one who pays for all the wife's sins. All her sins will pass through him. He's for them, and they are in him redeemed. And the infant Jesus shows up fulfilling the prophecy of God's turn from judgment to longing love, to determine redemption over a sinful, spiritually and morally adulterous people. From the start, as a child, he's come to identify with us in love in the midst, in the midst of our judgments. What's our response to all these things? Well, we're to weep at so great a love given to us. We're to fall under it and weep with deep gratitude and thanksgiving. We're to see that all of our sins mar this lovely one. We're to accept his disciplines and his loving corrections as we walk with him and, in, and we pursue him in this redeeming purpose. We are to place all of our hope in this one who is God's son and who would make us sons of God through him. And we're to rejoice and we're to give thanks we're to find our release and our hope and our future in Him. And then we're to live in His love and mercy and seek to be agents of that love and mercy as He guides and leads us. Let's bow our heads.
Your heart is supreme, O oh God. Your desires and longings are supreme. Your holiness tells us the deep moral integrity that belongs to you alone and which you would build within us and put within us and you do by the power of your Holy Spirit. Your justice reveals to us your purpose and your pursuit to set all things right in your creation. And there is no peace without justice and righteousness prevailing and reigning. We thank you, dear Savior. You are the righteous one. You are the holy one. And you are the Prince of Peace. You satisfy your holiness. You satisfy your justice. Your love meets it all to bring us peace and make it alive and bring it into our own lives. We thank you for your pursuit of us and your supreme condescension into our sorrows and miseries so that whatever we experience and whatever we go before, you've gone before it and you're in it deeper than we are ourselves. You alone can sustain us. You alone show us the way out. You alone bring us into life. All hope is in you. All delight is in you. Past, present, future, all all defined by your unrelenting love for us. And everything we do and all of our responses help us, O oh God, to go at this speed, just slow enough to consider you and your ways and your life and your presence and your voice and your truth. And glorify you. In Jesus' name. This has been the Bread of Life. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our work around the world or in your neighborhood, or for a copy of this message, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until our next time together in God's Word, may God bless you.